Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. On today's episode, I interview the co-founder of the I Am Festival, a coach, entrepreneurial therapist, creator of the Life Inventory Assessment, and passionate advocate for living on purpose. He's committed to helping people activate the highest expression of their life and business. On today's episode, welcome to the winner circle, Maurice Thibodeau. How's it going? Welcome. Maurice, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm, I am, yeah. Okay, you just lagged for a second there, um, but we're back. Welcome. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. So, as we mentioned prior to this call, um, the goal of this podcast is really to put some positive vibrations out into the universe and keep really, things really positive in a time that is quite hectic right now with the yeah. global pandemic. Um, so I'd like to open with this first question. What do you love about your world right now? What do I love about my world? I love my, the experience that I'm having with my family. Uh, this was the first Christmas in a lot of years that we weren't with an, a, you know, a greater amount of family. And then it also created an opportunity to really enjoy the moments with my kids and slow down. So I'm loving that. I'm loving being in a creative space. Like just before this, this call, I was in absolute flow in preparing for this really cool event that we're doing, which to have the opportunity to still work and serve what I what I believe to be my purpose, uh, despite you know the limitations through technology and to be enjoying the the miraculous abilities that we have despite the constraints we're living in, I love that. Like I am really really appreciating on still having the ability to do that and to still connect with people and help with healing and help with purpose, that's still very much right in front of us. So those are a few of the things that I'm loving right now. And you know what? I'm gonna give a cameo to my pets. I just like when we were doing our reflections, it was, you know, maybe it's a small thing, but it's like I re, I fell back in love with my pets and just appreciating the spirit and the energy and the connection that they bring in our lives. I'm really loving my pets right now. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so you work a lot with businesses and all businesses, they have mission statements, which define yeah. their purpose here uh, with their company. Um, but we as human beings also should be aware of our purpose. And it's a great question. I like to ask all our guests to get things started is Maurice Libero, what is your mission here in this reality plane? In this reality plane, my so I'll answer two. One that I wrote when I was in my early 20s was to maximize my contribution in life. And 
I still really, really that like that resonates with me. And as I've done more mission and purpose work, I've realized that although that resonates with me because contribution really, for me, that is me activating my gifts and my values and contributing to a greater whole. So unpacking that really still fits. When I think of how I've expanded that to be more specific in my own business and what I'm doing, it's about activating purpose. My mission is to activate my own purpose and to help others activate theirs in this lived plane, in this lived reality. So it's taking our gifts and our values and our creative spirit, what's inside of our soul, and having that get actualized in the in the activities, in the people that we connect with, like really having that be experienced. That is, that is the ultimate. When I can, I get lit up if I'm working with a, a person and if I can remove a blocker or eliminating belief and that all of a sudden just creates the energy um, for, for momentum, for them to activate what maybe they were too scared to activate or they couldn't see. To me, that's magic. Like that is the magic of activating that purpose that I'm talking about. And in the business sense, uh, I love to be creative. I think it's, it's one of my gifts. So if I'm working with a business and if I can see something out in the future, whether it's an opportunity or a partnership or a new way to pivot, if I can ask questions and kind of create, help co-create a vision of the future that maybe they're too stuck to see because we get stuck in our own patterns and in the, our old ways of doing things. When I can open up that avenue and then make it real, okay, well, how are we actually going to tangibly make that thing become a reality? I, I, I light up. So those are the, that's my purpose. Uh, and those are the activating activities that light me up the most about my purpose. Beautiful. So this podcast is called Welcome to the Winner Circle. And you, my friend, are a winner. Um, and it's called ah, Welcome to the Winner you. Circle because we can all be winners. Um, but we live in a society um, which thinks, well, I'll be a winner when I get this job or when I get this degree or when I get this marriage or when I get this. But the reality is you're a winner when you choose to say yes to listening to your heart, listening to your calling and go by going for that win. Being a winner is embracing the process rather than a destination. Mm. So what does going for your win mean to you, Maurice? And what does your win look like for you today? Yeah. Wow. That, um, that whole process has been really alive for me in the last two and a half years. For me, Going for the win is continuing to wake up every day and seeing what my purpose is like. And despite knowing the exact future, despite knowing that this is how it's going to work out, despite knowing how scary it is sometimes and actually feeling that, um, despite going through all the challenges, saying this is important enough that I'm gonna to continue to try. For me, that's, that's very much winning. And I'll also say that I'm also in a space of very much realistic balance of 
knowing that everything has a cost. So to know that as I pursue that purpose, that there are many ways to get there and I don't necessarily know the answer. And I've accepted within, I guess, some of the things that when I, when I balance all the values and the things that are important in my life, I'm following a very specific purpose right now, but I also have very specific constraints on what I'm willing to give up and, and, and not give up. And so part of going after my win is also accepting that um, where I end up is, how do I say that? It's, it's not going after one thing at all costs. For me, my win is going after my thing that I think is the most important thing to produce, to create, to contribute to, to the point that, to the very point that I can, without sacrificing the other really, really important things in my life. And I've opened up the space to allow that not to be failure. So what I'm saying is to, and, and this, uh, I guess in a weird way, my win, my probably one of my biggest wins over the last two and a half years of going through this is knowing that if I don't get here, that that's not failure. That the questions that I've had about my own self-worth is I'm still good enough, that I am still activating my purpose, even if my pursuit of that looks differently than my current dream of it. So that's kind of a lot to unpack, but my, um, and, and I'll let you kind of guide, you know, what detail we go into. Uh, it's, it's an interesting question for me right now, because I'm, I'm really in the midst of activating some very big visions, some things that are gonna take years to develop. And I've also been in it long enough that the activating reality of some of the sacrifices and some of the, some of the costs, the real cost that it takes to put energy and invest and move towards, those are really alive for me in my life. And I, it, it's brought me to some really deep questions. And mm -hmm. I feel blessed to feel like I'm still on the winner's path. And I say that without not knowing where this thing that I'm pointing at is going to end up, without not knowing when I'm going to have to pivot to something that slows it down, if I'll have to do that, or when I'll have to do that, I'm still okay with that. And I think that's one of the biggest gifts that I've granted myself from going through the, the depths of the personal growth. And it's one of the biggest gifts that I'm able to work with other entrepreneurs. When I talk about being an entrepreneurial therapist, it's because I've lived through it. And I feel blessed to have the, uh, the, um, the, to have had the support and the training and background to be able to witness and be like, oh, these are the loops I'm going through. This is the self-discovery that I'm going through. And to have had the guides um, and the support in my life to kind of hold me while I needed to go through that. Mm -hmm. And so out of the other side of that, it's like, hey, I recognize that. And it's really important for us to keep going through it and find the deeper truths. Because that's, that's what winning is for me. 
Beautiful. said a lot there. So yeah, please tell me where you want to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. And Joseph Campbell speaks about when we follow our bliss, when we step onto that winner's path, doors open that otherwise would not have been there. So by going after destination A, maybe you don't get there, but destination doors open to destination B, C, D, E, infinite possibilities arise when we say yes to our call. Mm. Um, so you mentioned um, you have a, f- a bunch of destinations in the works. So let's talk about that. Where are some destinations you're in the process towards right now that excite you? Yeah, sure. Um, the biggest project that I've been working on in the last two years has been the life inventory assessment. And that is a piece of, um, of interpersonal work that I've been doing for many years, for almost 20 years. And over the years when I do, like I've, I've been doing self-reflection practices and I do it at least annually. And it's something my wife and I, like we, we incorporated into our work together as a couple and as a family. And one of the pieces from that work that I had developed and made kind of like a manual process, like we, it's just something we did, it helped just illuminate exactly where we are, exactly what our priorities are and where we wanted to go. There was one of the, if I were to pull one practice from you know the five or six sections that we do, this was the thing that was most helpful. And I saw an opportunity to make that much more accessible to the world. And to do that in today's awesome technology age, it's to break it down so the user experience is so easy and such flow that I can help someone else ask questions about their lives, about all the sections of their lives. And I talk about the, the, the opportunity, the abundant opportunity that we have to think about and I, there's 12 sections that get measured. So that is a privilege. We, have, we, can t- we can think about our financial life, our love life, our parenting life if we're parents, our career, our intellectual and creative talents, our spiritual life. So there's these 12 sections. And what happens in our abundant life, in the chaos of it, is we can short out like it's just like to try to manage and think about and find our priority and all those things all at the same time it's really really difficult and it's part of the reality of the world we live in now the abundant world we live in we have more to think about than just food on our plate most of us are lucky enough to have more to think about than just one or two or three categories we have all these things and choices to make this is a process like the life inventory process it's something that helps just take a slice of those things and look at it with like a microscope and and then i ask five questions like activating questions to really understand how our health is in each one of those areas and then so i've developed a process that a map comes out of it so you get a life map and it puts all these categories in a certain zone. And then you get a life health dashboard as well. And what I like to say is it illuminates an immense invitation. So you look at your life map and now you can say, oh, for me, it's always been like, 
oh, what I'm going through, it makes sense. It's been a sense maker because whatever I'm going through either emotionally or in my head from a planning and prioritization um, standpoint, when I go through this, it's just clear. It's like a bird's eye view of my life. It allows me to be in witness, I'll say, like to be in a witness rather than be in it and allows me to be kind of my own coach to say, okay, now what am I going to do with that immense invitation? There's a lot of words to, to describe the project that I've been working on. And one of the things that I realized is to build a, a technology product takes time and money and a lot of iterations, more time and money in iterations than I probably uh, had anticipated for. So I'm in, I'm in uh, the, the second version of it now. The third version is getting built. And it's, so it is a really exciting vision because I see this thing getting plugged in to the, the top self-development programs in the world. Like I see, I, I, I'm gonna be able to go to Stephen Covey's organization and say, hey guys, you guys should use this. I'm gonna go to Kyle Cease and be like, hey, I have a bigger piece of the wellness wheel that can serve and bring people clarity. Please use it. So my, my big vision of that is as a product creator uh, to create something that brings clarity and insight and helps people step into an emotional openness into witness and let all the amazing service providers around the world use it. And I'll just take a small slice. So the business model is, you know, like the, the, I'll take a small slice. And the bigger point is that it serves. So to, mm -hmm. to be building things that when I think of maximizing my contribution, that I build it once and I continue to iterate but it serves like it's got tentacles out there that just that that helps people grow um, and people can work within. So that's the big thing that I've been working on that I feel in a really healthy reality of how long it will take. And and then I'm incorporating that in my other work. So um, I'm really excited that for the first year. Uh, my wife and I are opening up to, a, to the process that we've been following that I mentioned, like we do a life planning process. So we're opening that up to a group experience and it starts tomorrow. Um, so, you know, we're going to have a bunch of people on Zoom and now we're going to take them through exactly what we go through every year. And I know how much it enriches our lives. Um, there, there's energy of experience from our past that we just leave behind because we're always just looking ahead so we guide a process that's like let's go back to those best moments those memories those experiences that we were in flow and at our best I actually get goosebumps when i think about it because we just did my wife and i just did this and prep for it and you can gra grab that energy that's available and use it for your next phase. And then the other cool part is when you look back, 
you've gone through and you haven't been at your best. You've gone through traumatic moments. You've gone through um, things that might have felt the worst moments. And there's a tremendous amount of gift in learnings from those moments. And to open up the space of safety and open up the education of, you might not want to go there because it feels like, shh, uh, I won't swear, because it feels heavy to open up the space of this is why it feels heavy and, and it's safe. And if you finish the process and capture the learnings, that's called wisdom. It's not called failure. It's not called, you know, well, it may have looked like failure and it may have felt like even traumas. And I know you've been through some significant traumas yourself, Derek. So I think you can probably really appreciate that in the dire of, uh, direst of moments, when we can go back and complete our trauma cycles, it gives us the clarity of mind and heart to be able to capture the gifts that are left. And that's part of this process. And then to take all that, use the technology piece, the life inventory that I'm using as the bridge, um, and then plan the future to say what's most important and how are we actually gonna activate the learnings from the past um, and the energy of our gifts and our values into the future. So that's a that's the second thing that I'm really, really um, excited about. I have one more, but I feel like I've been talking for a while. So I'm just gonna let you 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 direct here. I'll I'll take a pause. Sure. Yeah, no, we could we'll I'm sure we'll get back to that um, down the road. But right now we're gonna use a little magic and we're gonna re rewind. And we're going to trace back to your origin story. Where did all this knowing um, and this wisdom come from? Let's trace it back to the beginning, however far back you'd like to go. Mm, my origin story. That brought you to these mm -hmm. knowings of the system you've created and all the other wonderful projects you've had along the way, including the I Am Festival, your marriage, your children. Um, your businesses, your consultants, your coaching, all this. Like, so let's, where did this come? Where did this come from? Where did yeah. these realizations and these teachings originate? I, um, I've, I've had an opportunity to really think about that actually probably more deeply than I have in my entire life just in these last three months. And one of the, one of the people that I really tracked back to was my dad. I grew up, um, my, my dad, I don't think he made it past grade five, grew up without a, without a father with, um, I think his mother was gone by the time he was 10, um, well, it wasn't in the picture. He grew up in a, a, a tough place. Um, and I don't even know, you know, half about his past. When I think about my childhood, I watched him push through and just see the possibility. It was never he couldn't do it. He took what he had and he built businesses and, and worked his ass off. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, <laughs> you can edit it out. Uh, and I got to see him demonstrate what he didn't have the education or words for, and I didn't have the education or words for, but when I look back to it, it's like, 
why am I mindful? Why do I have vision? Why is that one of the things that, that, that is just part of me? He had vision. He looked out and he could see the possibilities and it was always possible. He just did what it took and tried things. And he was never, it was never from a place of fear. It was from a place of what is possible. And as I grew up, I got to see him do that. And I think it became a really strong part of me. When I was young, I created my own agendas and I never really took no for an answer. And I was always interested in business and possibilities. And what I realized is he was teaching me how to hold space for vision and how to actually activate it to go after it in the in the energy of possibility. And my mom balanced that with, um, you know, I think she was, she was, she had realism and she always had an, uh, a heart of service and support, also more in realism. And my, my own wife, I think, balances me in that way from what's real and possible and how do we make sure we don't go too far in, in risking and sacrificing things. Um, but at the end of the day, I have the energy of my dad's possibility mind, of my dad's, I can create this, there is always a way. And that's where it began. And then, so when I went to university, I started a business when I was 18 years old. And I got a really amazing coach during that time. And then it just continued from there. So I, I think the energy of possibility has been part of me and my being. And it comes up in our, like, it comes up in my relationship. If Tracy tells me, if she gives me a constraint, we're actually actively working on this because she is project manager and constraints and deadlines are one of her gifts. And when she gives me a, a constraint, I actively reject it. <laughs> I actively are like, no, like you, you can't tell me that's not possible. So I would say, I know that that's part of my being and part of my gifts. And I balance that with, with a realism of what's next and what's possible. Because activating vision is also really important because otherwise it's energy that's unused. Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned your dad having a really profound impact on you. Um, so let's talk about... Um, you as a father, what are the core values you're trying to instill with that or you would like to demonstrate and instill in your children? Yeah, sure. My three beautiful girls. One of the, like, the first thing that came to me was the question, will this serve you? So, you know, there's things that your parents say and you always remember one, a recent one that, that it's, if there's a decision in front of you, or um, a friendship or whatever they're gonna go through, I'm asking, I'm, I'm really instilling the, 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 the question of ask, will this serve you? And if you can tell me how that's gonna serve you, no matter what it is, if we can have a, 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 a conversation about how this is gonna serve you, I'm open to it. I think the energy of possibility and what I just talked about, that is, that is part of our being. It's what we're creating on our property. And it's what we support in, in them as creative individuals. I think of my middle daughter, Fia, this year. 
where she picked up what is for us as parents a terrifying and beautiful hobby, aerial silks. And we know nothing about that. That is her expression of something that she wants to do and we support it. Support it to the point that we have 18 foot ceiling with aerial silks in the middle of our, of our house that she is in, she has been supported. She has learned, she's doing crazy things on it. Crazy, terrifying things. So as a parent supporting the creative path of what's inside you and doing that within how, how does it serve you still within realistic, I would say safety. Um, the, I, th I think that also brings for me the, the having the courage to push through, to push through what's possible. Uh, using gifts, it's about when I think of maximizing contribution, I take that as a parent. It's like, you have gifts. What are they and how are you using them? To not, yeah, I'll leave it at that, using our gifts. Those, those would be like some of the big ones uh, of raising our daughters today. Great. So you mentioned um, your dad. You also mentioned a really amazing coach. Um, I would like to go into your other mentors and allies on your path to now. Um, who are some influential people other than your father? Um, and what did you learn? What were your key takeaways from these mentors and helpers that you'd like to share? Uh, James Alish was my first general manager in running a franchise business uh, when I was 18. He was my general manager for three or four years. He taught me discipline. He taught me, he taught me, he held accountability, like accountability to be your best self. Um, he held us to a standard and held himself to a standard that was just phenomenal to, to, to see his leadership style. And it had extreme structure and it gave us opportunity to, to fail and be held accountable to that failure still with love. Um, next for me, I'm going in chronological order. Uh, I'm, I'm Scott McGilvery, he was my, my university professor, my marketing university professor. And he was, he was one of those people that when I was in the room with him, I just felt like I automatically got wiser. The way he worked with ideas and brought them forward and cared about the transfer of knowledge from one to another. So he was a major influence and ended up influencing two of my career choices. Um, moving like whew, really quickly, I had John, Tos John Toslin. He's my master hypnotherapy teacher. Uh, I He was one of the first people that I, I really went like deep into the emotional world of who we are as human beings. I ended up taking and be becoming a master hypnotherapist. And not only for, for, for John, you know, he opened up this amazing body of knowledge about who we are and how we be. But one of the biggest things that I've really loved and been 
been taught by John is how he shows up as an individual. And really specifically, John shows up with such a humble, I would say, accepting, like self-accepting, this is who I am. Like when he shows up, whether he knows something or not, he can, he, it's just like, oh, I don't know. And he, he owns all of what he doesn't know. And he owns all of what he does know with such a humility that's like, wow, like that's wholeness. That's wholeness in action. And the level of spirit and love that he brings into his work and his clients and how he teaches, it's, it's that level of radical self-acceptance that I probably to the highest level that I've, I've, I've seen in another human being, it just exudes it. Uh, so, and then next, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give one more shout out to Dr. Douglas Tatarn. Uh, so about the same time frame as, as, as I met John, Dr. Doug is like a surgeon with what he has discovered and learned about our emotional system and the integrity in which he brings that into the world and the caution I'll say that he uses is been such a learning process for me. And it took a long time for us to develop the relationship that we have. I would say Doug is much more cautious with how he shares. He really has a knowing before he has a doing and John is, is faster. So I love actually comparing these two mentors in my life because they've had such a huge influence. And Doug, I appreciate the deepness in how his knowing exudes uh, into the world. And also he has an amazing heart. He loves people. He has a servient heart. So those have been some of the, uh, and my wife, I have to, the partnership that we have is, I have such gratitude for it. My, I'll share this, my brother-in-law, I talked to him yesterday about my wife and I, and he described our relationship. I was talking about it in gratitude and he's like, your relationship is kind of like the bumblebee. The bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly. Like it's it, like, it, it actually, like the way it is built, it doesn't make sense that it can fly. And he's like, but it flies and it does its job and pays a significant uh, service to our ecology. He's like, you and Tracy have figured out a way to fly and I have a lot of gratitude in how different we are as individuals and how we've supported each other and stood in it uh, in love to continue our, our journey. So she challenges me watching her growth, challenges my mind and my heart and she supports me and I challenge her. I, I challenge some of her biggest fears. I light up in a big way and she stands in. So that would be the other person that has really been a huge part of my growth and my experience. Great. And I'd like to just visit that relationship a little more, that partnership with Tracy. Um, you guys have an interesting relationship um, because you're together, um, you lead coaching together. So how, 
how do you guys make that relationship work? What are your keys to success in that relationship? Sure. Um, for us, our, the level of intention in work uh, that we have put into making uh, us a, a, a success is one of the foundational things that has kept us together. I, I think of relationships, I love relationships particularly as one of the most complex inter-relational inter, inter dynamics that anyone can succeed through. We just take us as individuals and all the growth that we need to sort out and then add another person in there and then put your lives together it's understanding and accepting the reality that that is really complex work. And from day one, uh, we've taken a level of intention and planning in, into celebrating who we are as individuals. When we do a retreat together, the first day is you go, your, go do your stuff. Who are you? Who do you want to be? What's your vision? What are your values? I'm going to do that on my own. And then when we smash them together, let's see what fits and what doesn't, because it doesn't always fit. But what it allows us to do is it allows us to witness and celebrate each other as individuals. And then it allows us as partners to be like, we, this is our choice. Our choice is to be together and to, and to build this life in the best way that we can. So when we witness that together on like, it's actually on paper, and we put them together, it's, a, it's in a space of safety. It's in a space mm -hmm. of you believe this and I believe this and maybe it's completely different and that's not necessarily wrong. However, if we're gonna actually work this out, we know that that's gonna be part of our perpetual things, perpetual issues that we run into. Tracy has a huge, um, a huge value for safety and security. I have much less of a value for safety and security and much more of a value for creation and invention uh, and adventure. Those things have popped up in our relationship over the last 16 years. And we've gotten better at what are the strategies, what are the communications at, at working through them. Uh, so that would be one. So our intentionality Man, that's the biggest one. So like communication, but that feels um, over the years are coming back to, to repair. So in the course of a relationship, you're going to have lots of moments of dips and valleys that trauma happens. If you're in a relationship, just expect trauma to happen. It's part of the expectation that sometimes this person isn't going to show up as their best, or this person isn't going to show up in a way that serves you or supports you or allows you to, to, to be in unison. And for me, that's an expectation of a relationship. That's not a, oh, crap, we're here, we're not meant to be together. That's an expectation of a relationship. And over the years, I would say we've gotten better at coming back to repair those things, coming back to mm -hmm. understand where they came from and dig through what happened so that we can move out of it. 
So that doesn't mean it still doesn't happen. It totally happens. Happened three days ago, right before, right before we went on our planning retreat. And before we started, we went on a snowshoe because we couldn't start the work that we needed to do until we cleared the crap that we were still in. And we know that there's an emotional layer of it. We know that we're going to get through it. And we step into that with that faith. And that's been a major component. So, um, so intentionality, I guess I'll say, and expectation is what I'm describing is there's an expectation in this relationship that sometimes it's not going to work. And we're going to get through it. So you mentioned day one. What did that day one look like? How did you guys come together? How did, what is the origin story of you and Tracy? Oh, uh, an interview. I, you know, I was running a franchise and I came, I came to Saskatchewan to recruit franchisees. And she showed up late for her first meeting in her pajamas. I'm pretty sure hungover. I was, I was like 28, 20 some, I was in a suit and tie. And um, I thought, who is this disrespectful student that doesn't care about this opportunity and still has the gall to ask me these confronting questions in this interview. And she thought I was, you know, this, this pompous business guy. So that's how we started was an interview. Uh, <laughs> and and then she ended up getting hired. I ended up having a second meeting with her, which she showed up on time. And, um, and she ended up running her own franchise, which I was a, a part of uh, training and growing her. And by the end of our time together in that first year, we ended up coming together and dating. Great. So you've talked about starting a franchise, getting into franchise business when you're 18. That is a big obstacle. Um, a lot of people would have a lot of fear there. And many other ventures you've engaged in, there's a lot of fear behind, like starting your own festival, the I Am Wellness Festival, creating your um, life inventory assessment. That's a risk as well. We have other things going on. Starting all these different businesses, becoming a coach, so what advice would you have to a hero on their journey that's stuck at the edge of that should and must, where they're afraid to step into that should, that unknown, and they're paralyzed out of fear? How have you overcome fear again and again and again throughout all your ventures and entrepreneurial um, projects? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. So the advice that I would give is, one, receive yourself with gentleness. When you're in that fear paralysis spot, it's a huge, it, it's like the perfect arena for all the self-doubt, all the limiting feeling beliefs, all the ideas of failure is looming. And that is a time to be really gentle on yourself easier said than done, but notice that that's happening and know that that is a natural part of the process. Um, so that's one. And then the second one in that spot, when you're feeling all those things, you actually don't have access to your, to your, your greatest facilities from a decision-making and a conscious being. 
because you are accessing a different part of your emotional system that is triggered. So you will not be your best in that. So in taking that knowledge, my advice is, and I, I, I call it, I have five C's. This is the C of community. Lean into a, a, a support network that will hold that space for you. So lean into community. And community doesn't mean necessarily spending money. It could. And usually that can accelerate the process. But community could be an entrepreneurial group that gets this part of the process and has been through it. It could be a coach or a therapist. It could be having the courage to ask your, your wife or a friend that you trust. A place that has two things, safety. So it's a place that whoever is there loves and supports you enough to, um, for you to feel safe. And two, that they have, and this is a big one, particularly for entrepreneurs, the emotional knowledge like the knowledge of the subconscious, the, the, the knowledge of what you're going through. I have spent a ton of money on, on programs and, and business training things that I thought I needed and I'll say were helpful, but most of them don't cover what's actually happening in the journey and what's actually going to have you quit or not to like go through, go through that barrier of fear. Most of them are teach a tangible skill. Hey, you need this to market your business, or you need this, this component to grow your business, or you need this so you can reach all your dreams. Most of those programs that I've encountered, invested and spent money on are nowhere near the value that I received from my coaches like John and Doug and my wife and my knowledge of what I'm going through and my, my emotionally and my ability to go to the end, mm -hmm. to get through that fear cycle and be like, oh. So that's my, biggest, that's my biggest advice is really be gentle on yourself and find that community that's gonna support your emotional well-being to get through to the other side. And mm -hmm. I wanna finish that with, um, with a clear reason on why is because no matter where your business goes at the end of that journey, right? Or no, no matter what happens on that journey, successful or not, what matters most is when, as you're going through it and when you do an inventory of who you are, that you still feel whole. And the entrepreneurship journey, man, it tears you apart. Right. It's like a pack of wolves out there. That's just like, it's, it's, it's a scary, like I've lived it. So to know that no matter what happens at the end of it, you can still be whole and failure is actually just an illusion mm -hmm. to really. Um, yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, community has played such a huge part in your life. Um, how did you create that community and what would be your advice to a listener or someone out there who is lacking that community and doesn't know where to form that support system? Mm. Yeah, great question. So 
Um, one would be trust yourself. And what I mean by that is there are, um, an, um, there are lots of opportunities for community. So two will be like, know that you're not alone. Maybe that's number one. Know that you're not alone. With a little bit of effort and energy, you can find a ton of communities that either are free or that you can pay money to belong to. That is available. If anyone comes to me and says, I don't have anyone, I don't have community, chances are they're not looking in the right places or they're scared. There's a fear thing that's preventing them to stepping in. And that's not wrong. It's just, just calling that out. You're not alone. Two, when you're going around those communities and pay attention to the words and the language and the people and how people are showing up, and you will feel whether or not it's the right community for you. You'll feel it. You don't have to know. Like sometimes I think there's a fear block in, oh, if I step into this and if I'm wrong, then I've done something wrong or I've invested in, in something that didn't serve me. Well, no, even if you go somewhere that you thought was right and you discover that it was wrong, then you pivot to the next thing and that, was only an illusion of failure because you have learned what's right for you and what's wrong with you. You're learning. That's the path of finding your people. So in the, during that path, pay attention to what your body feels and how resonant it feels within that community, within the people around you. That includes your new friends and your old friends. Sometimes when we're needing and seeking community and our our current environment isn't providing it, I think that often represents growth. That often represents what, where I was isn't giving me what I need to be where I'm going. And that detachment can feel scary. That detachment can feel like, oh, but I still really love those people. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you don't love those people any less, but it also means that to serve your highest self, it like give yourself permission to find that new community and that new energy. Um, so those are, those are some of the, the, the big things for me personally, I have been, I've been very open. I've, I have a very open attitude to possibilities that came from my dad. So when people show up and if they want to co-create, I'm, I've been very much a yes. It's yes. And trusting my intuition though. So when people show up, I really kind of, I get a feel for who they are and where, what I feel their, their spirit is. And I trust that. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And it's not because I had a, uh, necessarily the wrong read, but when we're going into communities and deciding what we need at various times, just like in a relationship, there are a lot of things at play. There's not just interpersonal dynamics, there's values, there's way people work, there's what people's intentions are. And it's okay for your communities to switch over time. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've grown relationships that have started, that have served and that have left. And sometimes I mourn those. It's like, oh, you know, I really love that person. And we weren't in congruence with what we both needed. So it's okay to let it go and then move into others.
Yeah, I think that's huge. And that's something I would like to you to continue to speak about is um, transitioning from communities that no longer serve you or friendships that no longer serve you. By nature, I feel human beings are one of comfort. They like to find their comfort zone and then they often are stuck there. Um, so people are still friends with their friends from high school or university or whatever time. Um, and while that relationship served them at that time, it is no longer serving their evolved, their evolu- their evolved self and they still stay there. Um, how do you, and, and it's not, and it's not because, and by leaving that community or that friendship doesn't mean you don't love and appreciate those person. Um, but in order to become your best self and to be a best service to this world, it's important that we always reassess. I feel that we always need to reassess our communities, our friendships and, um, transition to ones that better suit us, um, yeah, so there's, I hope that made sense. Um, yeah. But how do we transition from communities and friendships successfully? Yeah, that's a great question. And in, in our review, this is actually one of the questions that we have is who do I want to spend more time with? Uh, who do I want to spend less time with? That's actually one of the things. So first is to have it in awareness. But your specific question is the how to. And I think people can get stuck on that. Okay, I'll start with principles. Like when, you, when you're doing it and leading with the intention of love, love for yourself and also love for the other person. So know that in the transition, it doesn't mean that you've, you don't love that other person. How do you actually do that? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's who we choose to spend our time and activities with. So depending on, I guess, how, how dramatic the switch is, um, you may just simply be able to look at your calendar and say, I'm going to spend less time with this person. And then it will be like decide, like in, in honor of the relationship that you're spending less time in, you might decide whether or not, is there a need to make that explicit? There might not be a need for you to go and have a crucial conversation with the person. It might just naturally flow away from and towards something else. Mm-hmm. And that, that might be a perfectly acceptable way to do it. I'm not necessarily recommending that. I'm, I'm saying that that might be acceptable. And you'll know because you'll feel it when you say, could I just do that? Make sure if you're doing that, that you're not avoiding a crucial conversation. The other part would be to just stand in it. So if, um, so I guess if there's a friend that you are, are, are moving away from, I would rehearse that conversation on your own. It's like, is, is this a relationship that if I pull away from, okay, so, so sorry, it's taking me a bit, a bit to get there. When you're in the, in the energy of service and love, if you're, if you're worried, if you really think that you pulling away from a relationship is going to end up leaving that person with question marks, with hurt, with an unknowing, that's not in service of the relationship. That, if you can feel that, that's going to be, that's you avoiding a conversation that you feel too scared to have because 
you don't want to hurt the other person. So ask someone that is really good at communicating how you might be able to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, another one would be to really let that person know that you really love them. So it could be like, hey, Derek, I, I really appreciated the time we spent in the last year. And I've just been doing an inventory of some of the things in my life that I'm wanting to do more of. And I want to let you know that I absolutely love you. But one of the things that we usually do together, I'm actually moving away from. Like, and that could be a list of things, right? Maybe it's, I've heard many stories of people that decide to quit drinking and it totally changes their, their friend environment. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why you can't actually stand into that decision in the space of love to say, hey, Derek, I, like we usually go out on Fridays and we get bombed and I'm actually not going to be doing that anymore. And when I start to say no to you with those opportunities, I want you to know that I still love you and I'm still here for you. It's just that I'm not going to do that anymore. And I don't judge you for, for doing it. Uh, it's not in a place of judgment. This is just something that I need to do. And I'd love your support in it. Would you be mm -hmm. willing to support me in that? So ask for what you need and stand in for what is right for you and do it in the space of love and connection and appreciation. Mm -hmm. And just, I think also just like look for the opportunity. So when you're transitioning to a new community, just like seasons have transitions, so does transitioning to different points of our life. And when you're transitioning from communities or friend group, you may be in a winter. So you'll be a lot of time alone, but that's an opportunity to reflect and prepare yeah. for the next, the next, the next community, the next spring that you're going to enter to the, the flourishing of something new and, yeah. and seeing the opportunities in that space. Um, it's a time to look inward and to recenter and do an assessment, like you said, mm -hmm. of what's important to you. Um, so on the path, we encounter many challenges and obstacles, um, so I'd like you to speak about um, some of the challenges that come to your mind and concluding with the biggest challenge, and you can even just do one. Uh, what was the biggest challenge you've overcome, you, you've met on your path and how did you overcome that? Mm -hmm. I, I would say it's actually been quite recent. And trying to Okay, I'll describe it in this way, because if I put actually, I, I could put probably about four or five significant moments into the same challenge. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that has been in the challenge of, in, in, of my, this last step in my career, I think it's been the most significant and scary part for me, when I left a really great job. Uh, a lot of security and a family and a career that I built for 12 years. And I stepped off into something that was unknown. I didn't have a perfect plan. If anything, I had too many things that I was still trying to do. And during that journey, I've had, I've, I've had more tears than I have had in my entire adult life. I've had more moments of what felt like temporary, 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 I'll say temporary states of absolute failure, moments of truth where I've just really had to dig down and stand in it. 
And when I combine all those things together and where I peeled myself off the ground and I asked for what I needed or I stepped into communities that could serve me. So I did the work with therapists like John. I got the knowledge by actually training my emotional being for the, for the journey that I was on, not even knowing that that was the training that I needed, but <laughs> it ended up serving me in that significant way. And the biggest learnings, like the learnings that I captured from that and the wholeness that I feel, and, I, and it, it becomes particularly salient as reality to me when I look at my relationship and Tracy and I's goals together. One of the reasons this has been the biggest uh, uh, challenge for me is the stakes are so much higher than when I was 20. I've got three kids. I've got a beautiful house. I've created a lifestyle that I really love and I want to keep. And when I talk about certain things that I don't want to sacrifice, those are some of those certain things. Me on this journey is also creating a ton of tension in our relationship because I have a partner who has a key need for safety and security. And I'm gone out on an entrepreneurial journey that threatens all of that. So the depth that it's taken us in our relationship has also been really, really uh, alive and, and heightened in, in terms of tension and opportunities to find truth. And I know that the growth that I've had is, it's salient for me when uh, Tracy, right? When my wife can come and say, man, I can't do this anymore. And I can sit in the emotion of that and own it. And not feel like a failure, not feeling like I failed her, but actually witness that, okay, you know what, you have been patient. And also make a plan within constraints that is acceptable with like both of ours and not feel like I'm not good enough, not feel like I've failed the big dream. Actually, I feel really whole and for me, able to, for me to be able to stand in that with the strength that I can today, I feel really blessed. I feel that is part of the, the gift that I am able to share on how I was able to do that with others. It's part of the gift that I can share for other entrepreneurial couples, couples in an entrepreneurial relationship to help them get through that stuff because it literally feels like a pack of wolves sometimes. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I would say has been some of my sig most significant challenges. Mm -hmm. and all of my business career has been the one that I've, that I've set up recently. It's had the highest stakes. It's had the most moments of fear and reflection. And through that, it's had the deepest moments of truth, mm -hmm. of knowing and wisdom that have been pulled from it that I feel blessed and whole and ready for 2021. I know it's gonna be a transitional year. 
I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up at it. And I'm ready for it with mm-hmm. abundant energy, not fear and scarcity. And that feels freaking awesome. Absolutely. And another thing that seems awesome in your life is all the love that is in it from your children, your pets, your wife, your mentors, your allies. What have they taught you about love? What does love mean to you? Mm. Mm. Love at the core of love, it is its acceptance. I think of like radical acceptance for who you are, who I am. Like I accept my kids and my wife and my pets. It's like, I accept all of them um, without judgment. That's a key, key component for love for me. When I think of love, it's, it's supporting, it's supporting purpose. Um, so I got two trains of thought, sorry. So I'll finish that one first. So love as a source. Now I'll go to this other one because it's, it's most alive. I think love is our highest source of vibration. I think it is like the ultimate, it's got the most power. It's got the most resiliency. It's got the most truth and wisdom. And I've had the benefit of going through some really tough stuff to get to the bottom. And I still find love at the bottom of it. It's, it's love. And what I hope for others in their personal journeys and in their, in their environments is that to, to be able to surround yourself with environments that are supporting and loving so that we can find the depths of that truth to be, to be, to feel true. Cause I feel that that is true. And it's from the work that I've done. It's from the people that have supported me when I didn't feel it was true. And I know that I'm blessed to have an atmosphere like that. And I know that's not everyone's experience. I know how real fear feels because it's real. I know how hard, like you can't see when you're in a feared state, when you're in, in scarcity. So if in your environment, love isn't omnipresent, if it's not like right there, um, I, really, I really believe that it, it's always there. It is all, because uh, at the depth of where you are, it's in you. It really mm-hmm. is. When you can't see it, what I hope for people is that they hear something like this and they look a little harder or they look into a different community or you know, they read a book that lifts them up. It is there. And if you're in a spot that fear and scarcity or whatever's happening within your environment isn't allowing you to see it, to keep looking, to ask for what you need, even if it's scary. And if all you did was say, I'm going to look for love today, 
and went into an in, in, into the grocery store, into an environment and just looked for that thing, you'll find it. You'll find it in people's eyes like your eyes. I'm looking into you. I know you as an individual. I feel love. I see love. And it is that available. And when we can't find it in ourselves, to give yourselves the permission to go out and find it, you know, in the universe, because it's there, it's palatable. And I, um, I don't know how exactly I got on this train, but it's certainly something that I've experienced in the last two and a half years. And I've had moments where I really, I think about Tracy and I's relationship and I've had moments where she didn't feel like she could love me like I deserved. And I'm, I was lucky that I was standing in my own love to be able to accept that and also actually point a mirror back to her and say, you support me at your core. I know you love and support me. Check in and see if that's true. And she would actually go past the fear and scarcity, like drop down and be like, yeah, that feels true. I'm like, I know it's true. And there were times where I didn't have that exactly in me. I didn't feel like I was enough. And I was lucky to not have to go too far to be able to have someone else put the reflection to me and say, mm. actually, it is there. Um, and so if you're not feeling that, do the work. Do the work, look around because it's there. It's there, very powerful words. So as we wrap up this interview, there's three final questions I ask all guests and we'll get into those now. Um, throughout all the highs and lows of your journey of life, that is life, what has been the greatest life lesson that you've learned that you'd like to share with our audience? Love is your highest vibration. Love is your highest vibration. Keep leaning in to that as your source, knowing that that is, that is the power, that is the resiliency, that is the source. And you have it all within you. So love is your highest vibration. Excellent. In three words or less, how will you describe the experience you are having on this earth? Hmm. Hmm. That's hard. Remember I told you I didn't like constraints. Yeah, whatever comes to your heart. How would you discuss three words, a sentence, whatever? How would you describe the experience you're having on this earth? Gratitude. So ingratitude. Creation. And purpose. Those would be my three words. Thank you. And we're all magicians and I'm going to use some of my magical powers to transport us in the future. I'm going to transport us into the future where we're alongside an 85 year old Maurice Thibodeau. Who is this 85 year old Maurice? What is the life that you've lived? What does your life look like at 85? And what is the legacy that you've left behind? Nice. 
Well, Sonny, <laughs> it has been it has been an adventure. I can tell you that I have no regrets. I have lived this life. I have loved to the depth of my soul. I feel that I've contributed to the creation of a better world. And I can point to the people and to the impacts that um, that have been experienced, that have been felt, that have been growing. I can point to those things and I can smile. I can also point to the parts of my life that I felt the worst and recognize the gifts in those. And that also makes me smile. I can say that I did everything within my power to follow what I felt was right, that was within my purpose path. And for that, I feel really complete. I know to the depth of my heart, the most important thing in the life that I've lived is the people and the experiences that I've been able to be in with people. Mm -hmm. So while we're still in the future, um, if you're, if you feel comfortable, keep your eyes closed and just take a few breaths with that 85 year old Maurice, take a few breaths with that 85 year old Maurice and feel that love he has in his heart, the no regrets, the smile in his face, the pride he feels for the impact he's had on so many people, such positive impact. And just really enjoy this moment with that 85-year-old Maurice. And because I, I'm not going to leave us in the future forever, I'm going to use my magic powers and I'm going to bring us back to the now 2021 today. And that 85-year-old Maurice is going to send you a message, a message to the current Maurice. What does he say? He says, boy, you're on your path. Stay strong, stay true, stay in the light. And you got this. Oh yeah, you do got this Maurice. And thank you so much for joining me on this call. I know I'm leaving this feeling very uplifted, inspired and full of love. And I'm sure all the listeners um, will take something great from this as well. Where can they find you if they want to learn more about you and all the amazing things you're doing? Yeah, uh, best would be my website. That is illuminationexperiences.com. Illuminationexperiences.com. That gives what events we have running that gets access to the life inventory assessment that's now available. So illuminationexperiences.com. Excellent. And to, cl to close all episodes of Welcome to the Winner Circle, we bring our fist up and bring it in together. Nice. The 
invite is for everyone to join the winner circle. That is a choice and a choice we all have to make. So thank you again. And God bless and love to all listening. Signing out. Thank you, dear. Thank you, Maurice.